Welcome, and thanks for listening to the Harvest Lakeshore Sermon Podcast. For more information about us, visit harvestlakeshore.org. Good morning, everybody. This morning I'll be reading Jonah 1, 1 through 3. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare, and he went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you, Andrew. Well, it is also good to be back. I know we were here last Sunday, but we were going on vacation while Wes and Sarah were out of town. And I would have to say for us, absence makes the heart grow fonder. When we were gone, we had the privilege of, of worshiping with some other faith families in the places that we were on vacation with some folks that we went to, I went to pastor school with and then with some friends from high school. And it was great to see what God's doing in other parts of the country, but it did make us long to be with you. We missed our worship team. We missed our greeters. And it's really a joy to be back with you and so grateful for so many who served uh, while we were gone, uh, both Wes and I in so many different capacities, preaching and other churches helping serve us as well and uh, Rich and Mark. So we're so grateful. Well, today we are jumping into a new series that we're going to be in through the end of the summer. Uh, with the exception of a Sunday or two. So we are in Jonah. And what's interesting with the book of Jonah is uh, Jonah is something that's familiar to, to many, not just folks who are church-going folks. Jonah is familiar to a lot of folks who don't know much about the Bible or don't know anything about the Bible. Because there's this crazy story in the book of Jonah And this is what we think about, right? We think about a big fish. You know, you know, children's books have, you know, it's a whale, but you know, the, the Bible just says a fish. It's a big fish. And this is what sticks out when we think about the book of Jonah. We think about, okay, here's a guy who's who's disobeyed. So the book of Jonah must be about, you know, God's God's judgment or God's chastisement when we don't do what he says we do. And and certainly those are some things that do come out in the book of Jonah and things that we learn in the book of Jonah. And certainly we will talk about the big fish and and, and that story. And oftentimes the book of Jonah is discounted because of the fish story. They're like, well, that can't happen. So Jonah must not be real. Well, as we come to the text, it's helpful for us to know that Jonah isn't just mentioned in the book of Jonah. Jonah's mentioned in the book of 2 Kings, where he makes a prophecy, and Jesus mentions Jonah. Jonah is a historical figure, and the book of Jonah is real, and it happened, and we'll kind of get into some of those things. But it's not about the amazement of a big fish. Or ultimately about God's judgment, though we, we see that and we see uh, that we don't want to do the foolish choices of things that Jonah did. 
The book of Jonah was written for us to encounter and understand an aspect of God's character, to understand God's mercy, to understand God's mercy in pursuit of those who don't deserve his mercy. So I'm going to put the the whale away. And if you're uh, thinking about getting baptized, we don't normally keep whales in the baptismal, just so you know. So if you're kind of uh, intimidated by that, when we have baptisms later this month, we'll make sure uh, that there, there are no critters in there. But uh, we, as we go to study today, we, we need God's mercy. We need God's help. So let's pray. Father, we ask that you would open our eyes that you would open our hearts, not only to see you, to understand you, and to change us, that we would delight ourselves in you because you are God of mercy. Though you display that oftentimes through, through judgment, through pursuit, God, would you amaze us this morning? We ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Well, God's mercy, this series is called God's Mercy, Finding God's Mercy in Unlikely Places, because we see God's mercy show up in places, spaces, in the lives of people that we wouldn't expect it. And this morning, we're going to look at Jonah and the introduction of him, and we're going to look at Nineveh, and we're going to look at Jonah's initial response uh, to this mission that God has called him on. So the first thing we're going to look at is Jonah. Jonah is an unlikely messenger of mercy. So he's a messenger. He's an emissary, the kind of the, the nuance of it. He's on a special mission. He's a diplomatic representative. And he's, he's on this mission, and, and the, he, we don't know much about Jonah. I mean, in the passage, it says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. So we know this guy, Jonah, and we know his dad's name. But from this book, we don't really know anything else about him. We don't know where he came from. We don't know what his, who his friends were. We don't know where he grew up. We don't necessarily know what happened after this story is told us. But we do learn something else about him, as I said before, in the book of 2 Kings, where Jonah prophesies. So Jonah has prophesied before this time, uh, and he was a supporter of that particular king, and those who would have been the original hearers of this story would have understood Jonah this way as one commentator talks. The original readers of the book of Jonah would have remembered him as intensely patriotic. He would have been a highly partisan nationalist. So he was uh, prophesying and supporting a king who was really about aggressive military power conquering their enemies. Not really about honoring the Lord or spreading God's glory throughout all the earth, but rather, hey, we have been afflicted by our enemies, so we need to crush them. And we see that Jonah is kind of a supporter of that. He's a prophet, and the word of the Lord comes to him, someone who is unlikely, someone who maybe didn't have it all together, maybe didn't have it theologically altogether and accurate, maybe had some emphases that weren't always helpful, 
Maybe someone who, 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 as we'll see, displayed a bit of prejudice towards another people group. God often uses people who are unknown, people who seem to lack gifting, sometimes people who lack character, but God uses them to be his messengers. And so even as we start, we we must understand Jonah's an unlikely messenger, and God calls us to share the message of the gospel. And so don't think that you, you... you know, we, we have this tendency as Christians to kind of look at others or look at some that look more gifted. Well, God calls them to be his messengers. No, God uses, uses kind of ragtag people. If you even think about when the Great Commission was shared, it was shared to a bunch of fishermen, a tax collector, not necessarily individuals who were popular or had influence. Some might have even been a bit backward, but they were his messengers because they They didn't find strength in their abilities. They found strength in the power of the message. Even Paul, the great preacher, said in 1 Corinthians 2, he said, And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling in my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Paul, the great preacher, rested on the message and the power of God. We We don't have the power in and of ourselves, and we rest on the power of the message of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So God sends unlikely messengers to share his message of mercy. So that's kind of just the introduction to Jonah. Then introduction to Nineveh. Nineveh is an unlikely recipient of mercy, For us, we kind of read it. We just read, arise, go to Nineveh, the great city. Well, it's it's a great city. Like, that seems good, doesn't it? And call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. We need to understand, what is Nineveh? Where is it? Why, Why is it so significant? It's the place where the Assyrians were known to gather. It was one of the greatest cities of the time. It was known as a, a great place to be, relatively speaking, in the ancient world. But for the people of God, it symbolized like the axis of evil. Because the Assyrians had all a wretched reputation. They weren't just unkind, grumpy people. Uh, emperors of the Assyrians would, would often mock those that they conquered. One emperor, Shalmaneser III, was well known for torturing and dismembering and decapitating the, those that they conquered. The Assyrians were so cruel when they conquered a people, sometimes they would cut their legs off and one arm so that they could shake their hand while they died to mock them. That's how how evil these people were. They would burn teenagers. They would afflict 
those, just seem to have pleasure in doing it. And even if you were conquered by the Assyrians and you weren't killed, your life was destined to be one of affliction and pain and suffering. The only thing I can think of that we could liken that to in our day might be, might be like a drug cartel that just constantly is afflicting and doing horrible things or maybe terrorist organizations that seem to find pleasure in creating pain and suffering for people. That's the only thing I can liken to it to in our day. So as we come to Nineveh, and the people who are listening to this being told to them initially would be asking the same question that Jonah may have asked. Why? Why would you go to that place? They're, they're not just evil, and they're the epitome of evil, but they're also the enemy of God's people. Why would you go there? And this is where we see something absolutely amazing that just, just seems to go against the grain of how we think things should go. Movies don't play out this way. And have you seen any of the popular summer movies? They present the bad guy, and the bad guy just gets hammered. They lose. They get shot down. They lose the battle, whatever it is. But in this story, we see God's amazing mercy on display because he is asking Jonah to call out against the city for their evil had come upon them. I believe calling out to call them to repentance. God pursues the most wicked of sinners. No one is beyond God's call of mercy. The call to follow Christ is available to everyone. So don't ever think, if you are seated here and you've never trusted Christ because you think, I I have done things that you don't know. I'm just curious because someone asked me to be here. God's mercy was extended to the most wretched of people and God's mercy is extended to you. And you can come to Christ today. And I would love to talk with you before you leave here today. Wes would love to talk with you. But anyone in your life, God's mercy can, can and is extended to those who you least expect it. And this isn't new. This isn't something new in the book of Jonah where God extends his mercy to those who are pagans. Uh, in the story of uh, Elijah, after he announces famine in the land of Israel, he is fed by a pagan widow. And then Elisha, the prophet who followed after him, he had an interaction with this, uh, this general by the name of Naaman, who was a Syrian general who had leprosy and he couldn't get healed anywhere else. And he ends up coming to Elisha. And Elisha, it works in the process of telling him to go wash himself. And I won't get into the whole story, but he gets healed. And this pagan general not only gets healed physically, but he becomes a worshiper of God. God's blessing of salvation is not restricted to one people or one nation. It's not restricted to one church or one denomination. God wanted Jonah to bring his message of salvation, his message of merciful salvation to the, to the world. That, that's God's 
call. He wanted him to be a part of that greater call of bringing it to the world by bringing it to Nineveh. That's why we support organizations like Africans Reaching Africa, because they're taking the gospel to places where people, people are evil, where they've experienced affliction, where there's hatred towards the gospel. But sadly, many Christians don't see themselves in light of those in Nineveh. We come to this story and we're like, yeah, that's those people. Those are the great sinners. And yet, we, we need to see ourselves as the greatest sinners that we know. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And sadly, Jonah was like many Christians of today who want God's grace for themselves, but they want God's judgment to come on those wicked sinners. I mean, it's easy to come and to pray and to ask for God's blessing, but then go, Lord, I just want you to judge that person who's been gossiping about me at work, and I, they, they just need to lose their job. Lord, would you cause them to lose their job? Or just bring affliction upon that person in my family that just, I hate going to family gatherings because the things that they do. And the list can go on and on. We can have that. The list can go on. Because it seems that Jonah wanted Nineveh not to experience God's blessing because of what they had done, because of who they were. And practically in our lives, when, when we see evil or we see things that we don't agree with, we can insulate ourselves. We can, we can distance ourselves from those who need to hear the gospel. We can run in the other direction. Now, some we go, well, I'm not running in the other direction. I'm not living a life of open rebellion against God. But we can insulate ourselves. We can fill our schedules with stuff with people who are just like us, maybe even just Christians, is there anyone in your life that you have discounted or given up on? When was the last time you had a meal with someone who had a different political perspective than you or a different conviction about marriage and family or someone who says the F-bomb every five words? I'm not saying that, that that should be our primary place of fellowship or our primary means of counsel. But when was the last time that we engaged with those who seemed like there is no hope for them to know Christ as Nineveh, seemed like there was no hope for them to know God? See, this story was to be a wake-up call to the, to the people of God. The people of God were in a place where the nation was divided. They were disobedient to God. They weren't following God's ways. They cared more about their military success than they cared about the glory of God being extended amongst the peoples. And so when the people of God read the book of Jonah, it was meant to shake them awake to say and to see God's mercy is available and wants to be, God wants it to be extended to those who weren't part of his family. They were prejudiced and Jonah was prejudiced. 
And he wanted them to see that the fields were white for harvest. God wants us to see that the fields are white for harvest. He wants us to have a brokenness for those who don't know Christ. So may we have our eyes changed and our, the lens changed as we consider the call of God in our lives. Now, we kind of had the introduction to Jonah, an introduction to Nineveh, which plays a particular role in this whole book. And now we see Jonah's response. We're only in the first three verses. I promise we're not going to go quite this thro- slow through all of the book. But it says here in verse 3, But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. So you see that happens twice there in in that passage, right? Uh, Going, fleeing to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. At the bottom, go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Jonah is running from the God of mercy. Well, we must be reminded of of the presence of the Lord. Why is that so significant, being in the presence of the Lord? If you leave your finger there and you flip to the left uh, to Psalm 84, there's just a, I'm just going to read a few of the verses. Verse 1, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. Verse 4, blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Verse 10, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. For the Lord, God, is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. We could go through the whole psalm, but we're not going to be talking about the psalm, but there's a significance of the fact when you are in the presence of God, that's where there's fullness of joy. That's where blessing happens. That's where you feel protection. That's where you feel safety. That's where you feel encouragement. That's where God is communing with his people in his presence, and we can come into his presence because of what Jesus Christ has done. We can come into the presence of God. We can have communion with him. We had communion with him this morning as we sang songs to him and communion as we interact with him in his word this morning. You can have communion with him when you wake up tomorrow morning. So the presence of God is so sweet and the fact that we can come, we need to embrace that and know that. But it makes, it makes this story all the more shocking Why would Jonah want to leave the presence of the Lord? And we see what he does and the the extent that he goes. He goes to a a place called Tarshish. And I think we have a map uh, that Wes put together. Um, I think we have it. Um, uh, To to show kind of where where this place is. So I don't know if you can see it real well, but... When uh, Jonah first becomes, uh, before we talk about Tarshish, he goes to Joppa first. He goes to this place, and that looks like, well, it's right there. It's, Joppa's not far from Jerusalem. It's, it's kind of in, in the place where God's people are. But we need to understand that that particular place of Joppa was not under the control of God's people. It was not under the control of the Hebrews, of the Israelites, 
So when Jonah went there, there's no one there who's going to go, hey, aren't you Jonah? Aren't you a prophet? Hey, what's the word today? What's, what's the latest thing you've, you've heard from the Lord? He's not going to have anybody like that in that place. No one's going to come up to him. No one's going to notice him. In fact, it's a place where he can come and conspire with others who can help him to flee from the Lord. And Christians can act this way when they get in their minds something that they want to do that isn't pleasing to the Lord. Or sometimes Christians will will not hear the wise counsel of those that are in their life that are trying to share God's word with them, that are trying to share wisdom with them. No, they kind of shut it off. And there are voices we can listen to. We don't actually have to find people anymore. All we need to do is flip up, you know, YouTube or other things, and we can find people that can tell us stuff that we want to hear. We can go to a, a virtual joppa. We cannot come to this place when we gather on Sundays or not come to the other context, whether it's small group or other times of fellowship and prayer, and we can go find others who tell us what we want to hear and help us along the way. But the dangerous place is that's just away from God's presence, away from God's blessing. And that's where Jonah was at. And then he gets on a ship bound for Tarshish. As we kind of see by the map, Tarshish is kind of at the far end, maybe at the tip of Spain, maybe even around the tip, around uh, on the western side of Spain and Portugal. Now, the location of Tarshish is kind of debated amongst scholars. They're not 100% sure where it's at. But what is not debated amongst scholars is this that Tarshish is in the opposite direction of Nineveh. God said, go east, and Jonah went west. God said, go to a place where you have to walk there by foot, go by land. Jonah gets in a boat, and Jonah gets in a boat, and back in that day when you got in a boat, it took a long time to get where you needed to go. There was no GPS tracking on that boat. No cell phones or internet for anyone to reach out and say, where are you going? What are you doing? No, maybe Jonah, even in getting on the boat, could have had the mindset of, you know what? I I just want that. I want that city to get theirs. And if I'm on this boat long enough, Eventually, God's not going to relent, and he's just going to bring judgment upon him, and that's what I want to happen. So by the time I get to where I'm going and maybe take the ship back, everything will happen the way that I want it to happen. So getting in the boat is, seems to be this attempt to hide from God and subvert the will of God. Well, as... As Gabby read from the text of Scripture, Psalm 139, where can you go from God's presence? You can't. So was Jonah afraid? Was he afraid? Because there there is a reality as you think about Nineveh. It's probably kind of like a Jewish rabbi trying to go to the city of Berlin in 1941. Right when the Nazis were in charge and things were horrible, things were happening to those who were Jews. I mean that that's a pretty intimidating 
thing to think about. But the text doesn't say he didn't go there because he was afraid. It says he went away from the presence of the Lord. He didn't want to do what God was asking. He didn't see the purpose of God and what God was asking him to do. And because he couldn't see the purpose of God, that must mean there is not a good purpose in it. If I can't see the purpose of God, then it must not be good. He didn't want to accept where God was leading. I mean, we see this back in the beginning of our Bibles, right? In Genesis. God said to Adam and Eve in Genesis 2, and the Lord God commanded the man saying, you must surely eat of the tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. God tells them something. And then a serpent comes along and he deceives them, deceives them to not believe that God is good. That you can trust, God's, God can't be trustworthy. I mean, did he say that you would die? And it goes on. And we know what happens. Adam and Eve decided that if they could not see a reason for God's command, there must not be one, so they ate. And we know the rest of the story. The same can be true for us. We, when we don't see God's mercy in our lives, we don't want to extend mercy. When we don't see God's will working in our lives, when we don't understand it, we're tempted to not trust God. That's why we must be reminded about his mercy. We must be reminded about the fact that he is merciful because there are going to be times when things happen, like we're going to get a biopsy report and we sit there stunned. I don't understand this. That must mean God is not good. Maybe we lose a job, or maybe you're looking at your retirement that you've saved up, and, and, it, and it doesn't look like a nice slope going up. It, it looks like a nice slalom scope going down, and you're like, God, what are you doing? I can't see any good in this. Therefore, you must not be good. That's why we must be reminded of God's mercy regularly. That's why we must be reminded of God's mercy in our lives. We must be reminded that God extended mercy to us. Tim Keller said this about Jonah. He said, unless Jonah can see his own sin and see himself as living wholly by the mercy of God, he will never understand how God can be merciful to evil people and still be just and faithful. I mean, I should read that quote again with us in it. Unless we can see our own sin and see ourselves as living wholly by the mercy of God, we will never understand how God can be merciful to evil people and still be just and faithful. The truth is, friends, God has been merciful to us. God has been greatly merciful to us. He didn't look on us and say, man, they look pretty good. I think I'd love to hang out with them. No, he saw us running from him. 
And he saw that because he numbers our days. He knows our days before we're born. He, he saw that and he sent his son. He sent his son who didn't run. The son who is faced with the mission right in front of him. He didn't run. I mean, metaphorically, I guess he, he did run. He, he ran every day to spend time with his God. He's constantly going to spend time with his God, constantly delighting in him, constantly wanting to be with him. That's the running that Jesus did. And that's the running that God's calling us to do. Not to run away from God, but to know who he is, to understand his character, to understand he is a merciful God. And the only way we are going to be agents of God's mercy is if we understand God's mercy for us. The only way we're going to share about God's mercy is if we understand that he has been merciful to us. The only way that we're going to take the steps to go and speak with those that we have absolutely nothing in common with, or it seems like it feels that way, we have to understand God's mercy for us. So when we are confronted with a trial, we must remember God's mercy. That's why we sing the songs that we sing on Sunday. That's why we point to Christ when we gather together. That's why the gospel is so important to us. We need to understand God's mercy. We need to be reminded of God's mercy all of the time because it changes everything. We have been redeemed. God pursued us when we were running the other direction to save us and bring us to be a part of his family. And he wants to stop us and turn our heads so we can look at him and see who he is and delight in who he is. And if we delight in who he is, we are pursuing being in his presence. Even when being in his presence means being in a hard place. I've had the privilege of sitting beside people in some of their darkest days. But I've also had the privilege of seeing them meet God in the midst of those dark days. And though those days are hard, they look back on them as being sweet. Why? Because they understand the mercy of God. They understand that they are pursued that they were pursued. Those that I know who are the most evangelistic people, at least in my life, maybe this isn't always true, but uh, they are just aware of what Christ has done for them. And so they just want to share it. So whether we're confronted with a trial or we're confronted with God's mission, there's one thing that God wants us to do. He wants us to come into his presence. He wants us to run to him, run to the foot of the cross. Because that is the place where we find mercy and grace and help in our time of need. That's the place where we, when we don't have clarity about what to do, we get clarity. That's the place where we find peace and hope and comfort. It's a God who is merciful enough 
to send his son so that we can come into his presence. So don't be hindered right now from coming into his presence because he made a way through his son, Jesus Christ. So let's go into his presence together right now as we pray. Father, we need you. Every hour we need you. And I pray, Lord, today as we come to your presence and even as we sing together that we would be aware that you are a God of mercy, that you extend your mercy to to those who don't deserve it. And we are the number one undeserving people, and yet you have extended it to us. And I pray, Lord, that we would know it, we would see it, we would treasure it, we would enjoy your presence. And when we're hindered from going into your presence, Father, would you remind us that in your presence there's fullness of joy. Would you remind us in that hard place, your presence is the absolute best place to be. And I pray, Lord, as we're in your presence, that you would change our hearts, that we would have a heart for those who seem unsavable, but you have given us the gospel, which is the power of God unto salvation. And we ask, God, that you would do these things in us. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Lakeshore Sermon Podcast. Harvest Lakeshore exists to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. For more information about us, visit harvestlakeshore.org.